Downtown Productions in cooperation with Zone Radio presents Downtown, the podcast. From the historic Zone Radio studios, here's your host, Rich Kimball. Yes, indeed. Hello there. Welcome. It is Downtown, the podcast. It's episode number 141. Rich Kimball here along with Gary Haskell, brought to you by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Got a couple of fun conversations on the show for you this time around. A little later on, uh, one of the masters of improv comedy, not just in America, but around the world, Colin Mockery, coming up in the second half of the program this week. But up first, uh, an actress who stars in the Fox series Prodigal Son, which recently kicked off its second season. She also appeared for seven years on the hit series Scandal, She's done movies, TV, Broadway, very, very talented performer, Bellamy Young, who recently visited with us. Hi, Rich. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you this afternoon? I'm so good. What part of Maine are you in? Uh, we're in Bangor, right in the eastern central part of the state. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. I've spent a summer in Castine doing um, summer stock, you know, like way back in the day, but there, there was... And uh, my boyfriend in college had a place up there, too. His family did. And so, God, Maine is so beautiful. I'm so jealous. Yeah, well, Castine's a great area as well. Now, can I call you Bellamy, or does it need to be Madam President? (laughs) Whichever you prefer, I'll respond to either. Your Excellency, (laughs) maybe something like that. (laughs) I like it. We're getting warmer. Uh, I am so excited for season two of, of Prodigal Son. This, uh, well, it's work, but man, it's got to be fun working uh, with everybody involved in this great series. You know, this this year has been the first time it's ever felt like work, just because there's so many considerations before we get to do the the joy, the play, which is our job, you know. But uh, this year with COVID and precautions and Fox and Warner Brothers, they take such good care of us, but it's still, you know dissipates the focus as it were in the best of ways but once we get to the script and the story oh oh rich it's just the craziest ride i just watched um the premiere episode they gave us a little sneak peek and honey my sweetheart and i sat on the sofa and we cackled and we gasped and we teared up and For anybody who hasn't seen it, A, you're missing out, B, how would you describe Jessica? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, if anybody who hasn't seen it, our show sort of, you know, everybody assumes their parents really screw them up. (laughs) But uh, in this case, we take it a little bit further. My ex-husband, played by the wonderful Michael Sheen, is a serial killer and the most notorious of the 20th century. And our son has grown up worried that he might become like his father. And so instead, he's taken to solving crimes, catching killers, and going against, you know, going for nurture versus nature. Uh, And at the end of last season, we, all season, we've sort of been asking the question, like father, like son, but uh, turn of events, if you haven't watched it, you should catch up on season one, because the turn of events got us to like father, like daughter. And that's where we start the season. And sweet Jessica is my character. And I'm the mom, Upper East Side, you know, elite sort of woman whose world changed in a moment when her husband was convicted and became so notorious. 
And so her world suddenly got so small, just um, <laughs> out of shame and fear, but also out of really wanting to keep her kids safe and also really watching them thinking, you know, half of their genetic code just got proven to be a sociopath. So what am I dealing with here? <laughs> so yeah, she's usually got a martini in one hand and a pill in the other, and she's just trying to get through the day. And, and very busy in the season one finale. There was a lot to unpack in that episode. And we're so lucky, Rich, because um, we had to film out of order last spring uh, due to a number of circumstances, and we really got to shoot our penultimate episode and our finale, Um, and then we got shut down for the pandemic. So we did not get to make the two episodes that preceded that, but luckily we really got to land the story where our creators intended, and it, it landed with a thud. It's always fun to do quality work, even better when the audience appreciates it. And you were the highest rated new show on any network last season. We were. We have the best fans. I mean, the writing is incredible. And so the storytelling, I think, is what hooks people. And it's sort of, it's definitely a murder mystery, but it defies genre a little bit because it's also hilarious. And it's also really heartfelt because it's, you know, has the family at the center of the story. So it's such a good ride. Plus, it's just chock full of actors you love to watch, like Lou Diamond Phillips, who has not loved Lou, like the last <laughs> 40 years, you know? And he's just delightful in every way. And Tom comes from Walking Dead, and Michael is a genius, and just so many wonderful, wonderful people. So we got some folks to tune in, and they told their friends, and they told their friends, and it's been a great, great time. All right, can you can you let us in on some season two secrets if I promise not to tell anybody? Ooh. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, having just watched the premiere, I will say, um, without qualification, I'll just say Sex Dungeon. <laughs> well, there. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm in. If I, if I wasn't in already, then you had me. <laughs> Uh, we're talking with Bellamy Young here on Downtown, the season two premiere of Scandal coming of well, not Scandal, of Prodigal Son coming up next week. But let's move to Scandal. You've got experience working with a great ensemble, uh, seven seasons, one of the best shows on television. Uh, tell us about the experience of, of playing Melly Grant, who had quite a story arc. Ah, oh, Rich, yes. I, I feel doubly blessed um, to have a job at all. You know, it's a blessing, but... Uh, as a woman, um, you more often serving a device in the narrative, you know? And so to get to have two jobs in a row where I got to be just messy, get to be messy and human and to try and to fail and to love and to withdraw and just all of it. It's so much joy. Melly's arc, you know, I, I, was only supposed to be there for a couple of episodes. I just had two little lines in the pilot. And it was supposed to be a quick divorce, and and that character was done with. But I got to stay forever, and and Melly got to see her dreams come true, which was this. That was my first steady job in Hollywood. I'd been a guest star often, but um, but never, you know, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. And for <laughs> that part to be the first one I really got to grow with and to God, to watch her realize her dreams. You know, she 
became, she got divorced. She became a senator. She found some kind of love. She became president. Like, oh, it was, it was like a he, it was healing for me as a human. You know, it, it's a very encouraging thing for your own dreams to get to pretend you're being someone whose dreams are coming true after much hard work and after a long time. But it's it's that positive reinforcement that I can't even describe. And that family of people, you know, I mean, we're all still so close. Um, we just zoomed over the holidays, and we're going to do a Cards Against Humanity. We all bought Cards <laughs> Against Humanity. We're going to play that on Zoom, and we just have a big text thread going. It's, it, Scandal remains an incredible gift in my life. And what was it like working with Shonda Rhimes? Oh, well, you know, to work in a matriarchy is, um, also a very, very lucky thing in Hollywood. Uh, when we were very, very early in the show, um, Shonda, we were all with some of the girls, we were talking and she's like, look, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna write sex scenes, love scenes, cause that's where the story goes. But if you want me to write those scenes and you're in a parka, I'm fine with that. <laughs> you tell me how you're comfortable. You know, and no, I mean, <laughs> I felt like, I, like I was sort of out of body for a minute because it was such a, a shockingly thoughtful conversation. Um, and it was like that for everyone sort of on, on every level. A lot of our, a lot of my castmates had kids while we were shooting and, you know, men and women, and um, they were always welcome on set. And, um, you know, that, that, all of that being the gravy on top of she's one of the greater storytellers of our generation. You know, she'll pull you right through with your brain, and then at the last minute she hooks your heart, and you've got to watch another episode. <laughs> so it was a joy. Plus, who writes monologues for TV? It was a bunch of little theater actor babies, and we just ate it up with a spoon. You followed the path of so many actors, starting as a physics major at Yale. <laughs> of course, you know, a well-trodden path, <laughs> such as it is. <laughs> How do you well, get from being a physics major to uh, starring on Broadway and television and film? Oh, well, like in science, we learn the most from our failures. <laughs> you know, that tells you a lot about, you know, yeses and noes when you, when you know something isn't right for you. So I don't know. I always sang, Reg, and so I... Was also, I was at Yale, and I, I had gone because I thought I could do science, and I thought I could sing because they have wonderful a cappella groups. And, um, and so, you know, singing has always been my solace. And when I got out, I finished with a double major in English and theater and came to New York and started doing um, very off-Broadway and regional and eventually Broadway and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it turned out. It turned out okay. I feel very, very lucky. I love, I love what I do. I, I love every day of it. I love every moment. I work with high school theater kids uh, in doing stage work. Is there anything more challenging and yet fulfilling mm -hmm. than being able to, to just absolutely nail a song by Stephen Sondheim? Couldn't even, like, I was excited enough that we were going to talk about theater, but when you, you just took it to Sondheim, um, you feel both like you have, like, done sort of a higher math equation and just gutted your heart on stage. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's a thoroughly sort of leave it on the field feeling. I got to be uh, in 
Merrily We Roll Along, the revival of that that Susan Schulman directed at the York 150,000 years ago. And it was while he was doing Passions on Broadway with Marin and Madonna. So, you know, he split his time, but still, and I was just like super like chorus, spear-carrying human. But um, just getting to stare at him, frankly, um, was it still feels historic to me, just to, just to be in the room, you know? Man, wow. And a very different experience, too, a different type of role in Randy Newman's Faust. Ah, uh, yeah. Boy, that was a ride, too, Rich. We did um, with, oh, gosh, um, it was Lanford Wilson, and oh, now I've panicked on the name, and it's not going to come to me right this second. Anyway, uh, we started at La Jolla with Randy, and then we went to the Goodman and added, you know, we needed a little more structure. If you'll notice in Randy's song, he's not really a structure guy. He's an idea guy. And, and you feel his idea, you know, so it's very visceral, but we needed some structure. So we added David Mamet and, um, boy, those, uh, that was like oil and water that didn't go well. (laughs) (laughs) It was still an incredible opportunity. And, um, you know, so many good, good friends from there. Daphne Rubin Vega was in that, and Sherry Renee Scott, and oh, Ken Page, Dave Garrison. I mean, it was a, just a great group. I believe you're you're the second person we've had on our show who bears the honor of being a former Celebrity Jeopardy champion. <gasps> oh, what? Really? Well, that's very cool. I, I, I. I still pinch myself about that because I was in a full brown out while it was happening. That was a terrifying <laughs> day. But I think um, Friday is the last show, I think. It is the, the last yeah. Alex Trebek yeah. episode, yeah. Yeah, which is, ooh, heartbreaking and, and, you know, hard to conceive. And they, I have to say, as, a, as an institution, Jeopardy and Alex did so much incredible philanthropic work through Celebrity Jeopardy particularly, but also outside of it. But I know, like, I won, and they gave $50,000 to Operation Blankets of Love, which was just a two-person outfit that I'd been supporting in Los Angeles. They would try and make animals in shelters seem more adoptable, which makes an enormous difference about placement. And with that $50,000 from Jeopardy, they were able to get a van, and that changed everything for them. It widened their distribution uh, area, it enabled them to get corporate donations because they could go and pick up just bags and bags of dog food or kitty litter or whatever. I mean, they changed people's lives. In addition to entertaining us always and instructing us, edifying us, you'd have 30 minutes and you'd come out smarter, you know, but they, they really changed lives. Can you also talk about the work that you've done through the years uh, with the organization Helpmate? Oh, Helpmate is a domestic violence organization out of my hometown in Asheville. And I connected with them while I was doing Scandalum. One of my classmates' moms was on the board. And because uh, I didn't really know about their work while I was there. I didn't know until, until Scandal. But um, oh, it's so important. It's so vital. And, and, and not unlike the work that I do with CARE uh, right now, um, it's been a particular uh, point, particularly poignant issue this year because so many people are locked down with their abusers and uh 
domestic violence has just skyrocketed. So any attention we can give, particularly funds, but also just help in that arena, it's just dire. You're pretty busy, but any chance we'll see another album in your future? Oh, my goodness. Well, my favorite and I are toying around with something now because, you know, usually we're not together, but about a couple weeks a month, you know, we usually see each other here and there because <laughs> he's a musician and I'm usually I'm tied to a job. But we have been together during the pandemic, which has been phenomenal. And we looked at each other last week and like, if we don't like take this chance to make a little album, baby, we just are going to be so we're going to kick ourselves, you know? So we'll put something together. Excellent. Well, uh, Bellamy, I cannot wait for the season premiere next week, Prodigal Son Season 2. It's going to be a great ride, I know, as always. And, uh, it's so great to talk with you. I've uh, enjoyed your work for a long, long time. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for supporting the show, and it's just really been a delight. Thank you. That is Bellamy Young of Prodigal Son. Brand new season, Season 2, just kicked off on Fox. When we return after this word from Cross Insurance, we talk with a very funny Colin Mockery next on Downtown. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With the network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Next guest has been making people laugh for uh, 30 years or so now with his work on Whose Line Is It Anyway, both the British and American versions. He's been touring the country virtually doing shows with Brad Sherwood. And we had a chance to catch up with him recently and talk about the art of improv comedy with the talented Colin Mockery. Colin, thanks so much for being with us. Well, thank you so much for having me on. And by the way, happy anniversary today. Thank you very much. Yes, uh, 32 years with the lovely Deb. In, uh, she's a, an amazing woman. Well, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the show? How does improv work when you're doing it in a, in a virtual setting? It's very odd. Uh, Brad is in Las Vegas. I'm in Toronto. And through a technology which I do not understand, <laughs> it looks like we're in the exact same room. We can actually, uh, like our uh, stage show, it's all totally improvised. So we can still uh, converse with the audience. We can go into audiences' homes and um, act with them virtually in our scene. So it's been um, it's been an interesting experience. I thought this will never work, but it's actually been a lot of fun. 
One of the keys to improv and, and to, to doing it well is that notion that you you want to make your scene partner look good. Have you ever have you ever worked with anybody through the years? I'm sure you have who didn't get that concept who wanted to get the laugh for themselves. Yeah, I mean it does happen, and you know it happens to, to everyone. There are there are times where you think, oh, I can get this laugh. But I mean, I've been incredibly fortunate to work with people, you know, like Brad Ryan Styles who are very funny, but are also very generous in, um, you know, setting up other people to get the laughs. Do you find, too, when you work with uh, actors who don't have that improv background, that the notion of making things up scares the heck out of them? Oh, yeah. You just see the fear in their eyes. Um, <laughs> it makes it exciting. It's, it's actually odd <laughs> how people have that fear. I mean, our entire lives are improvised. Every day, we, we improvise. It's just people freak out when you put it on stage and it's basically the same concept you have to listen to people you make them look good uh, i mean things that we don't actually do in real life uh, when you're getting ready to do a scene how tough is it for you because we've all if you're in a scene like that you've got ideas about what you want to do how tough is it to to let your stuff go and, and follow the lead of your partner it's uh, i mean at this point it's fairly simple but mm. when you're a beginning improviser it is the hardest thing in the world to I have a great idea, then your scene partner gets their idea out first. Learning how to, okay, I have to drop that and support them is the toughest thing. It takes it can take people forever and they never do it. But um, you could also find, you know, once you're a wily veteran, find a way of still getting your idea in there. We're talking with Colin Mockery here on Downtown Stream of Consciousness, presented January 16th uh, via Zoom and uh, all through our friends at the Cross Insurance Center here in Bangor. Now, of course, whose line? Uh, you guys specialize in, in short form. Uh, do you also, uh, in other venues, do you do long form improv? Yeah, um, I actually did a uh, about a month ago a long form uh, Dungeons and Dragons um, improv Zoom show which was fun. Even though I have no um, experience with Dungeons and Dragons, I don't know anything. All I know is I kept trying to get my character to do things that wasn't really um, possible for them to do. Apparently clerics are not allowed to fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now how tough is it in that situation to, as they say, play to the top of your intelligence? <laughs> well, my intelligence wasn't that uh, high to begin with in, in this area. And, but that's the beauty. Then it gives the other players something to work with because they're playing with someone who's making strong choices, the wrong choices, but it gives them something to work with. <laughs> now, you started, if I remember right, uh, on the British version of Whose Line uh, back in the early 90s? Yes, back in the last century. Uh, <laughs> it started, Whose Line started as a radio show, I think 1987, with people like Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry. Uh, and then it became a TV show. It was still a fairly new art form in Britain, so they brought um, Americans over, like uh, Mike McShane and Greg Proops, and then Ryan and I uh, joined. And it's been one of those, I mean, we're so thankful for that show because it gave us a chance to do this job that didn't exist when we were growing up. So everyone is very thankful for Who's Line. Yeah, and I, I was going to ask that. How important do you think the show has been to to the growth of it? I'm, I'm part of an improv group, and uh, you know, I feel like in every city you go to these days, uh, there's a group or, or more than one, and, and that didn't exist 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, when, we uh, when Who's Line started, there was a, 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 an inkling of what improv was, but not really. It, it really brought improv to the mainstream. You know, people knew Robin Williams, uh, Jonathan Winters, and that was 
sort of it. And Whose Line brought it out there. And I, it's one of the things I'm proudest about, that it actually got improv out there. And as you say, there's improv troops everywhere in every city around the world. Now, when you're doing scripted work, Colin, uh, does, do you find that your improv background makes you better at that because part of the key to improv is being a good listener? Oh, absolutely. It's a great uh, a great help. Um, and also it can help you if you're working with someone who, uh, for whatever reason, is not giving you what you want. You can endow them with the fact that, yes, they are giving me that. And really um, um, improvise what they're feeling if they're not giving it to you. It's, it's a great skill for an actor to have. And a lot of great actors are actually great improvisers. Uh, do you have a good improv horror story of when uh, maybe you went down a road that you realized you were on and there might not be any turning back or, or not an easy escape? Oh, it's pretty much every show. Uh, <laughs> you know, basically, it's a, it's a game of survival. And I, the beauty and the, um, the sadness of improv is once it's gone, once you've done it, you're on to the next thing. There's only one thing I remember. Brad Sherwood, Ryan Stiles, and I were doing a show and nothing was working. And we were supposed to be on for 10 minutes. We went for half an hour thinking that we're going to turn it around. <laughs> and we never did. The show was over. We walked off stage, got into our cars, drove home, and didn't talk to each other for two weeks. <laughs> it, was it was so It was horrible. It was just horrific. Have you ever done uh, an outdoor show? Uh, yeah, I did a couple of shows in Atlanta. There's some outdoor theaters. Um, that's exciting when you're, you know, trying to improvise and mosquitoes are flying in your mouth. <laughs> but it really helps you with your abilities to focus. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've had that experience before. Or when, when the mics don't quite work and uh, you get all kinds of issues uh, going there. How important in, in doing improv, too, in, in creating characters uh, is the, the physical aspect of what you do? Oh, absolutely. And I find now that I'm much older, <laughs> there are times I'll be flipping channels and I'll see myself in Who's Line going, oh, yeah, I, I remember when I was able to do that with my body. <laughs> now now I can't even squat. Um, but, it, yeah, it, it is very important, um, you know, because usually all you have is the stage and your partner. With a little bit of a physical uh, uh, movement, you can set up the entire scene of where you are just with that one movement. So it, it, it is very important. And do you find after all the years of, of being an improviser that you still have people who will say to you after a show, now you didn't really make all that up on the spot, did you? Oh, yeah. I've had people who, as I'm taking their suggestions, aren't believing it. Um, <laughs> if it goes really well, people say, you could not have made that up. But if it sucks, they go, boy, that was improvised. <laughs> <laughs> you really can't win. <laughs> uh, but Colin, you're also an author. Can you tell us a little bit about Not Quite the Classics? Yes, my agent said, you should write a book. And I said, mm, I don't want to. Um, part of the reason I'm an improviser is I'm, I'm lazy, and writing is work. And uh, based on that, he got me a book deal. So um, <laughs> I had to come up with something. So I actually, uh, it's a book of uh, 12 short stories. It's based on an improv game where you take the first, you get a first line from the audience to start the scene, and you have your last line from the audience so you know what you're working towards. So I took the first and last line of famous classic novels and uh, made up the middle. So um, there's uh, Moby Dick, A Tale of Two uh, Cities. So you'll recognize the beginning ending lines, but everything in between is totally different. 
I love it. I've got to get that and, and check it out. And so uh, when people participate in and watch Stream of Consciousness uh, next week here, uh, what are what are some of the games that you guys will be playing? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> no, idea, no idea. Sometimes we just uh, we will pop into your, literally pop into your living room and just start um, doing something with you. There's one where we're going to be, I think, um, solving a murder. So we'll be going into someone's room. They will all be murder suspects, and one of them will be the murderer. I love it. Well, we can't wait for it. It's coming up on the 16th through the Cross Insurance Center Stream of Consciousness with Colin Mockery and Brad Sherwood. Uh, have uh, loved your work for many, many years, Colin. It's a real treat for us to get to talk with you this afternoon. We wish you much luck with the show. Uh, stay safe, be well, and thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, and Happy New Year. Hope 2021 is great for you. Well, we talked about him when Colin was on the, the radio show, Carrie, but he's just the anchor of, of that, along with Ryan Stiles, the anchor of Whose Line. Absolutely, yeah, and and I didn't even realize they were doing it on radio before the BBC series <laughs> back in, what was it, 89, 90? Yeah. It's just amazing how long he's been doing it explains a lot of why he's so good at it yeah um and again touring the country uh we had him doing shows through our local facility here cross insurance center in maine but uh, check out the website and you may find that colin and brad are doing a virtual show to benefit a theater near you as well our thanks to colin mockery thanks to the wonderful bellamy young check her out on the fox series prodigal son and we hope to see you hear you be with you next time right here on downtown the podcast